to you. Amen. You guys doing all right? All right, week number two, we still here? Amen, amen. And um, of course, as you see, we're, we're still in process. I sent the message out to you just to kind of update you. What I did not share is this week, some of the things I just told the contractors like, hey, um, not for their sake, for my sake, like, let's, let's take this week off. I just needed a break. Uh, I, was, I was tired of being here for so long. And, um, and I, I just needed a little bit of mental time not to be in the building 24-7. Um, but one thing that y'all need to pray for is uh, these electricians, uh, which is the reason why we're still held off on our uh, HVAC. It's not the HVAC guy, it's the electricians, and they are dragging their feet. So, um, so um, if, if a couple of more days, if they don't come through, I'm going to call all of y'all, and we're going to go to their office and, and march around their office like the walls of Jericho. And uh, <laughs> and uh, get this thing together, and so um, so yeah. But um, well, we'll get to some of these other things a little bit later. Let's go ahead and dive into our message for today as we continue in our series called Home. Home. And so, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Luke chapter 15, and um, we're, we're going to just continue on where Pastor Matt left uh, last week. And, um, but we'll, we'll kind of continue in the story a little bit. We're going to start at verse 13, reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version. And this is what you'll find on the screen or in your Bibles. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of, those, one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. And when he was longing to be fed with the pots that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. Verse 17, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And verse 20 is kind of where we're going to lay our hat today. Listen to what it says. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Amen. Pray with me real quickly. For Lord, you truly are a good, good father. And all that we are, all that we hope to be, is because of you. And so, God, just one more time, I want to say thank you for just what you have been doing, how well you've been loving, how you've been keeping and sustaining us this day. So bless now this teaching time, God. I pray that the words of my heart, the meditation of my mouth, Lord, that it is acceptable in your sight. For, Lord, you are our strength and our redeemer. And it's in your name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Our, our, our subject for today is belonging. Uh, belonging. As we are talking about the series called Home, Belonging. And when I was just pondering, meditating on the subject for today, belonging, I couldn't help but to think about my very own family. Uh, through the years, uh, my family, we're, we're kind of known for our epic get-togethers and, and dinners around the holidays and such. And there's always been this kind of 
thing that we've done with friends and uh, acquaintances that we would bring over for these get-togethers. Um, there's a couple of things that they would know whenever they came. One of the first things was many people were just kind of surprised at how close my family is, which is a good thing. Uh, but secondly, it was the fact that as soon as they came over, even on their first time there, they were amazed at just how welcome and accepted they are when they are around our family. They felt like they belong. Now, the reality is that this just doesn't happen just by chance. It's not like there's some, some feeling in the atmosphere that just comes over everybody and they feel welcomed. I, I don't want to make it seem like it's something that it's not. It usually happens as a result of one thing in particular. And over the years, uh, my, my, my cousins and family of the younger generation, as we began to invite friends over, we would start preparing our friends for what they would encounter when they come over. And usually what happens something like this. You bring your friend over, you, you invite them, you introduce them and, and they greet everybody. Everybody would greet them back and after a little bit someone would then ask them, it's really a setup question by the way, they would ask them, well baby do you want something to eat? Yeah, well of course they want something to eat. That's the reason they came. But what they don't know, it's not about whether or not they want something to eat. What they're really waiting for is for the second response. So naturally, if you come to a strange place, unfamiliar with unfamiliar people, and they ask you, do you want something that is a part of that residence, naturally you're going to wait for someone to tell you what to do. Not in my family. When you come over, they ask, do you want something to eat? Usually what happens following that question is they stare at you like you've got a third eye. And after you've sat still for a few minutes, the response, probably from about four or five of them, is this. Oh, what do you think? You special? Go make your plate. Just, what, what are you waiting on? Get up and go get your own food. And uh, at that point, man, they, they recognize that uh, you can call this place home. Uh, because uh, only family treats you that way. Uh, only family will embrace you that way. I think we see this present and prevalent in God's family, do we not? There are no, forgive me for all of our guests, I want to be very clear and transparent about this. There are no special people in God's family. There, there's no one who is elevated or heightened above the other. We are all family. I'm not special. You're not, we're not special. We're God's children. And Matt and I, pastors, are not in God's eyes, we are his children the same as you are. We see this prevalent in our story today, Luke chapter 15, this, this story that we're going over. Now, if you've been in a church for any length of time, you're familiar with the popular character that is oftentimes highlighted in this story. Um, we, we, we've discussed him over time, and we've even given him a name. The name that we've given him is the prodigal son. But as Pastor Matt mentioned last week, prodigal is a term that we have assigned to him. It's not something that the Bible ascribes to him necessarily. We've called him prodigal, namely or mainly because of his wayward behavior. He's kind of unstable, inconsistent. And so over the years, being in church, normally those people who may be what we deem as backsliders or inconsistent or wayward, we were referred to them as prodigal children, the prodigal child. That's how we view this young man. The only problem with that, there's a number of problems with that, but the only problem with that, not only is it not biblical, but it's also not the definition of prodigal. 
When you talk about prodigal, the word prodigal literally means wasteful or riotous living. So as we just read within that, that text, that scripture that we just read, it said that he wasted all that he had in riotous or reckless living. So we talk about prodigal, really, if this was what that story was about, it would be the story of a young man who was reckless in his lifestyle, which led to him wasting the gifts that the father had given him. But that's not really important in the story because this story really isn't about a prodigal son. Some would argue that, well, if it's not about a prodigal son, then maybe it's about the story of this lost son. Well, why would it be the story of a lost son? Well, you got to read the entire chapter of Luke 15. At the beginning of Luke 15, you'll find uh, that you have the story of the lost sheep, where Jesus poses the question that if you had 100 sheep and if one of your 100 sheep were to get lost, would you not leave the 99 to go and retrieve the one that was lost? And then following the story of the lost sheep, you then have the story of the parable of the lost coin where Jesus then poses the question, if there was a woman who had 10 silver coins, had she lost one of the silver coins, would she not clean and sweep up under everything within her home to recover or retrieve that lost coin that was there? If you read that and you put those stories together and you would say, okay, well, it's clear that there is a lost sheep, there is a lost coin. Well, clearly this story must be about a lost son. And so if you have a Bible within your Bible, maybe within your Bible app, there are headings usually in these days to kind of let you know what the scripture or that particular passage is about. And oftentimes the heading there is the story of the lost son. But I'd like to say that I don't think that that's what this story is about. Indeed, it is uh, a story that mentions, highlights a son who might even be noted as reckless, riotous, or prodigal. Within the story, you can even grab the story of a son who might have been lost. But I don't think that's the message that Jesus is trying to convey, not through the story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, or the lost son. I don't think that's what Jesus is trying to teach us here. This, this story, in my opinion, is about one thing and one thing only, illustrated through the story of a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. This story really only highlights one thing. It's really one thing that Jesus is trying to convey to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law that he is sharing at this moment, but also to those of us who are gathered here today as we are thinking about home and thinking about belonging. The one teaching, the one lesson that Jesus is trying to convey to each and every one of us is simply the love of the Father. This story is simply about the love of the Father illustrated through one missing sheep that God's love is so great that God never says statements like, well, everybody's not going to make it. What God will let you know is that his love is so great that even though he can have the masses and God can have 99, but what the Lord wants to let you know is that his love is so great, most of us are large portion of us is not enough, that God is willing to go to the extreme measures in order to recoup all of his children. It's not enough to have some of us. It's not enough to have most of us. God wants all of us. I love it. I love it. I mention it all the time because it's my favorite song. Listen to it every morning. Stephen Wonder says it's taking him so long because we've got so far to come. God is waiting for us to come. He's waiting for his children. And 99, the old folk used to sing like this, the 99 and a half just won't do. It's God gotta be a hundred. God wants all of his children. 
Not only is it about how God will go to extreme measures to uh, retrieve the one that is lost, but it also talks about the lost coin, that God's love is so relentless that God is willing to tear up heaven and earth in order to recover that lost coin, that lost child. You're so special to him. The Bible tells us that the hairs on top of your head are numbered and that he's willing to go to extreme measures, tear up heaven and earth to recover you, to bring you back into the fold. Is that not what Jesus did? Did Jesus not open up the heavens? Did he not step up out of time and space so that he could come to us and to recover us? This story is about the love of the Father who will go to whatever he can do so that he could have us back. <laughs> he says she cleaned everything so that the coin would be found. I love that. And I was thinking about that last night, and, and I thought about how I, I talk with people, and they often say, well, you know, since I found God, you know, I, I found I found God. And oftentimes when I hear that nowadays, I chuckle a little bit. Y'all know me. I laugh at a little bit of everything. I've got this, this uncontrollable, inadvertent laughter that often comes out at the most inappropriate times. And so people will say, man, now that I found God, and I, I'll chuckle, and I say, well, baby, you know, God was never lost. Uh, he, God, God's always been. He's, he, he's, he was never lost. You didn't found God. The reality is, is that uh, it wasn't God that was lost. It was just that you didn't want to be found. And that's what we experience so much in our lives. God's saying that I'm willing to go to extreme measures. And what we discover within this story of this son there is that there was a time within his life where it wasn't that God was lost, that the father was lost. It was that the young man was not willing or he did not want to be found. That Not only is God's love so great that he's willing to leave the master to go are so relentless that he's willing to tear open heaven and earth to get to us, but also that God's love is so patient that when you are not ready, the Lord will wait for you. Now, listen, I get excited about a lot of things. I get excited about the fact that God's love is so great that he will come looking for me. But, man, I'm so grateful that God is not impatient and that he is not fickle like humanity, that he will patiently in his wisdom and in his love wait for the moment in time when I am ready to hear his voice. I don't know. Is anybody else in here wonderful or grateful for God's patience that God waited for you? When you were not ready, when you were inconsistent, when you were not listening, when your mama, your grandmama, they told you about God, when people tried to pull you back in and you was just so busy and so insistent on trying to do things your way, are you not glad that someone waited for you, that the Lord waited for you? And this is what we find in verse 20. Listen to what it says again. So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. So after wasting his wealth and going God knows where, doing God knows what, this young man prepares himself to reunite with his father, hoping to at least be accepted as one of his father's servants, only to discover that the entire time his father was waiting for his return. I, uh, I uh, this, this week, even though I, I kind of gave the contract as a break, every day this week I've worked here. I've, I've taken like a table and some chairs, and when the weather's permitted, I've sat right out in front of the front door, and, and, and I've worked outside just looking and watching at people and greeting and getting to know our neighbors a little bit better. And one of the most entertaining, there's a lot entertaining here in Old Louisville, by the way. Fourth, fork and Oak. 
I'm trying to tell you, it is, I mean, listen, you ain't got to cut on telly. You want to see some drama, man. Listen, just, just sit outside the door and just watch the folk walking up and down, down the street, man. This is pure comedy. I'm going to just start pulling out my phone and recording stuff just to show y'all. But I, I'm out there and I'm waiting. And the thing that, that, that I love, I'm working, what I love is watching the people who are waiting for the bus. And those who are waiting for the bus, they, they've got a particular, particular behavior uh, that everybody does. It, it's something like this. They're, they're, they're sitting, they're sitting, are leaning up against the post, and they know that their bus is on the way, but they do this the entire time. They'll sit a little bit, get up. Now go back to the chair. They'll get up again. Back again, they, they wait, man, just, just the entire time. And, and the bus could be two blocks down, and they could see it, but maybe it's taking too long. I don't know, because I can see the bus. I know they can see the bus, but for some reason, they still get up. And, and they look, and they're not satisfied until the bus is right in front of them so that they can get on the bus. I imagine for this young man, as he was coming home, that that was the behavior of the father. Because the Bible does not say that by chance the father was looking and saw his son coming. What the Bible conveys to us is that the father was waiting and saw his son from afar. Which means that this was not something that just by chance happened. This was the behavior of the father. The father had been spending his time since the son left waiting for his son like our neighbors wait for the bus. I, I know my son's coming home. I know my daughter's going to make this way back. I'm just going to keep looking. I'm, I'm waiting and I'm going to sit for a little bit, but I'm going to get right back up because they are going to come back. Aren't you glad that the Lord waits for you? Yeah, or maybe you didn't know that the Lord was waiting for you. Maybe you think you really did find God. Maybe you think that the Lord meeting you had something to do with you. But what you did not know from the moment that you disconnected yourself from the Lord, our Father, our God, our Savior, is that he never forgot about you. He never distanced himself from you. You might have been disconnected, but the Lord was always there waiting for your return. That's, that's how I think of the Father patiently and anxiously waiting for us to return. But also, it's not only that he was patiently waiting, he was expecting it. He was expecting the return of his son. You, you need to hear that. Maybe not for yourself, but you probably need to hear that for someone that you love. Yeah, someone that you pray for, someone that you are worried about, someone that you are concerned about. Know that not only is the Father waiting patiently for you, but he's also waiting patiently and expecting them. And you may have, and this is one of the things, man, we've done it in our own family, where you say to yourself, man, you know what, I'm just going to have to give it to the Lord. What you need to know is when you turn it over to the Lord, you're actually putting it in the best hands that it can be. And sometimes in our faith, what we've got to do is just trust that because we are his children, the sheep of his pasture, that we belong to him. And the Lord is always working. He's always waiting. He's always expecting. And it may be your son, your daughter, your cousin, your best friend, whomever it is, know that the Lord is waiting for them just like he waited for you. He is expecting their return. And one day they will come and the Lord will greet them in the field just like as he greeted his son. And they will walk back into his bosom into his arms and be reunited with his father and walk into the kingdom that was planned for them before the foundation of this earth. The Lord is waiting and expecting. Trust and believe that it is going to come. It's going to come. So 
we're there, man. So I thought about what, what, what's happening and why is Jesus giving us this teaching? Well, why does Jesus feel the need to talk about this belonging that comes here? And, and I noticed that he's giving these illustrations, these stories, in a response to the murmuring that was taking place by the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Because Jesus was gathered and having a good time with sinners and tax collectors. And because Jesus was gathered with sinners and tax collectors, they had an issue with them. Now, this is kind of confusing to me. Because if Jesus is teaching, now listen, Matt and I and, and all the other preachers in this church, you know, whatever. Um, but if Jesus is teaching, I, I expect the place to be filled with sinners. But for some reason, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law had an issue because Jesus was teaching and sinners gathered around, murmuring about them. This is a similar situation, and I'll point out why this is important in just a moment. What we've got to understand is that when the word goes forth, the people whom we expect to be in attendance are those who need it. In fact, Jesus, man, was faced with this. You can find it in Mark and Luke as Jesus is talking. At one point in time, he's having dinner with Matthew. At that time, it refers to him as Levi, Levi's house, who was the tax collector. He's gathered there. And once more, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law had an issue about the dinner that Jesus was present with. And Jesus perceives their thoughts, and he says, well, it is not the well who need a doctor, but the sick. Jesus to let them know, man, the reason that we are gathered, the reason why we are here is because all of us need to hear. All of us are sick. All of us need the doctor. But what happens with belonging, with us needing to be in the presence and in the face of God, is oftentimes shame and guilt haunt our minds and our thoughts. And we'll begin to think and to believe that perhaps we should not be here. We murmur to ourselves, or the enemy murmurs in our mind, and he tells us, man, it may have been forever since you've been in the presence of God. Maybe you haven't prayed in days or months, maybe even years, and the enemy will spout uh, words of doubt and fear and shame in your mind. What the Lord is letting you know, this is the reason that I've come. You belong to me no matter how far or how long you've been disconnected, no matter how long the journey has been, no matter what you've done, you belong to me. You're supposed to be here. That's what we discovered through this young man. If there's any part of it about this story that's important to us is that he is the father's child. He belongs in the father's presence. So the Bible says that once he ran out of money, Things got tight. He then got involved with some shady business dealings. And then I love this. In verse 17, it reads, But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? How many of you know that oftentimes, in order to know who you are, you first must find out who you are not? Because what happens oftentimes in life is we find ourselves like him. He was involved in shady business dealings. The shady business dealings put him in a precarious situation. And he remembered, man, this ain't like this in my father's house. 
My father doesn't treat me like this. My father loves me better than this. My father would not have me out like this. And he remembered his identity because he found himself in a place that his identity doesn't call for him. That's what happens to so many of us in our lives. We found ourselves maybe in relationships, in friendships, or in employment statuses, whatever it may be. We found ourselves in a place where we recognize, man, God did not create me for this. God created me for better. I deserve better because I am a child of the Father. I am a child of the King. And who I am and what I'm doing and where I'm at does not mix well with how the Father created me. The young man remembered who he was, and he then discovered in his mind, you know what, man? Even the servants who are connected, even the servants who belong to my Father have it better than what I've got right now. So I'm going to return home. I don't even have to be a son. Just make me like a servant and belonging to you, being your property, will be much better than where I am right now. The young man goes home and only to discover that his testimony didn't matter. It didn't matter at all. His story didn't matter at all. The only thing that mattered is that he was in the Father's presence once more. I've got, I've got a friend who, um, who, who, who got married. Uh, her and her husband, they eloped. And... Um, she, she called and told me about it, and she says, you know, we, we eloped, and, uh, and, and I took my new husband to, uh, to meet my parents, and, uh, and my dad sat us down immediately, and he didn't talk to me. He simply looked at my husband, and he said, I just want to let you know that um, my daughter's an adult, so I'm perfectly fine with what she chooses to do, but if, for instance, or by chance, this does not work out, she will always be my daughter, and she can always come home. Well, fast forward about a year and a half, it didn't work out. And, um, and they ended up divorcing. And, um, and her parents are deeply religious people. She goes home, and she tells her, her, her dad that it didn't work out, so I need to come home. And she says, when I walk through the door, uh, my dad, with all my stuff, just helped me unload my car and took me back to my old room, asked me if I needed anything, and he never asked me what happened. He didn't ask me why didn't it work out. He didn't offer advice. He said none of that mattered. He simply just let me know that I promise you that you are my daughter, you belong to me, and that this home will always be yours. And so if you need anything, you just let your father know, and I will be here for you. Notice in our story, the young man is crafting a speech to give to his father so that he could go home and testify, tell his father. His words were, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants, and I will serve you. Well, the Bible tells us that as he gets there, and he's trying to put his speech together, and it says nothing other but the father seeing his son coming from afar, and he had compassion on him. And what we'll find out a little bit later, as he tried to confess his story, a little bit later, the father simply put a plan in action to fully receive his son back into his family and back into the fold. Why would the father do that? Why would the father not care about his testimony? Why would he simply receive him back into his family where there's only really one thing that can really speak to that, and that's the fact that he belongs to the father. 
And what you've got to know, my brothers and my sisters, no matter where you are in life, no matter what you've experienced, whether you've been distant for a while or maybe you'll be distant sometime in the near future, it does not matter where you've gone. It does not matter what you've done. It does not matter what you've experienced. None of your previous testimony matters. The only thing that matters is that you belong to the Father and you can always come home because home is where you belong. In the presence of the Father is where you belong. Connected to your Lord is where you belong. In his house is where you belong. Well, no matter your experiences, you belong to God. Even though the enemy tells you and whispers ignorant things inside of your ears, know that you belong to the Father. And the Father desires to have his children connected to him. You belong home in the presence of the Father. Make your home with him. Amen? Amen. Real quickly, man, I'm going to have, um, have a couple of uh, pastors. Y'all can meet me up front, Stephanie and, uh, well, Kat, I don't know if you can do that with the baby. You can be past Miss John Viev uh, there to the side. And Angel, if you could come up as well. I want y'all to gather. Uh, someone take there, one in the middle, one in the side here. And... Um, as we're talking about home, I want to give you something to respond to. There you go. Maybe you're here. Maybe it's been a while. Maybe not so much. Maybe you feel like your relationship has been distant. Maybe you feel disconnected. Maybe you need to return home. Well, these counselors up here right now to receive you. So I'm going to give three, three calls. I'm going to pray. And when I, when I conclude, I want you to, to respond. Don't let the enemy whisper in your ears. Just get up and trust God. Maybe, maybe for you, home is... I've never received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Now, these counselors up here, they don't give salvation. It's not their job. They just want to pray with you and, and maybe help you with next steps. Or maybe home could be here. Maybe maybe you need a church family, a community to be a part of. Oh, one of these counselors here could help you with that as well. Pray with you and walk you through it. Or maybe you need someone to serve as a bridge from where you are to get you back to home. And they can pray with you for that very thing. Those are the three calls. And if you fit any of those criteria, let's not, let's not walk out the doors in the moments coming up without responding. Come home. where you belong. It's where God desires for you to be. So I'm going to pray. And when I say amen, here's what's going to happen, man. You're going to get nervous. Maybe some fear is going to hop in your heart, but fear is not from God. And the opposite of fear is faith. Trust God and get up and move. And grab one of these counselors. Or Pastor Matt's in the back as well. If you don't want to come up front, see him as well. But trust him. 
So let's pray. Heavenly Father, home is where we belong. In your presence, in your care. Connected to you. So God, help us. Help us to find our belonging in you. Lord, with so many distractions, so many trials, so many tests, Lord, to distance us from you. Lord, Scripture tells us that you've put eternity in our hearts. Let us respond to that right now in the name of Jesus and make our home in your presence. Now I'm praying specifically for my sister and my brother, Lord, who needs to respond today. God, remove that fear, put in courage so that they can make that step toward you. Right now, with the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Whoever you are, now is your time. Will you come? We've got one. Matter of fact, may we all stand all over this room. Will you come? Maybe just for prayer. Will you come? You still have time? Come on, there's another. Come on, get the little cup of praise. Will you come? The Lord is waiting for you. This is where you belong. What the enemy wants for you to do is for you not to move. It's in your heart. He's speaking to you. He wants you. Will you come home? Cat is another there. Yeah, come on. Give the Lord in a cup of praise for another. Come on. Yeah. There's still more room. Will you come? Will you come? Pastor Matt is in the back. Tracy's in the back right there as well. Will you come? Is there another? Is there another? Will you come? 